Guess where you are? You're in the Grotto Pod. Guess who's here? I'm here. Uh, I am. I'm here. That's the voice of Bridget Quinn, author. Reluctant. Hey, you know I'm Larry Rosen. You know what? Reluctant author, or you're reluctantly in the Grotto Pod. I am reluctant to speak. I'm still. I'm annoyed. You're annoyed. Well, what we didn't know is that this Grotto Pod comes with some assembly required. <laughs> but now that we've completed <laughs> Larry's assembly, so handy. We. <laughs> I would say there's probably 14 or 15 women right now who just had a chuckle and aren't sure why. And they're all the women I've known in my life who have counted on me to fix (laughs) something for them. No, no, I'm a Jewish man. Oh, Uh, is that true? Life is a series of Rubik's Cubes. Oh. Yeah. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's bad for the Jews, yeah. I see. Okay, good to know. Just a little plug there for my other podcast. I hate to be so patriarchal, but I I often feel that I am so unhandy because I have so many brothers and got married so young. Mm, Well, you know, it's not too late to smash the patriarchy, I'm told, so you can start by fixing the grotto pod. What I like to do is just complain. Yeah, well, that's, see, that's something we people, my people do well. Today, uh, speaking of members of the tribe, our guest is Rachel Levin. Yes. I don't expect a lot of complaints from her, though. She no is a, seems to be a very cheerful person. She, she's cheerful and, in my opinion, hilarious. She's wry. She's very wry. Yeah. And, but you know what? Hmm. She, well, we're going to get into all of this, but her wryness doesn't always go over so well. Oh, really? Well, I think if you're a restaurant owner. Oh, you don't want to rye negative review of your restaurant. Maybe not. Just gave away a little bit of what Rachel does. She is a very versatile writer. And before, during our pre-show preparation, which is a very important part of the Grotto Pod uh, media empire, Uh we were discussing um, what sort of writer Rachel is and how she would describe herself. And you said simply... Journalist. Journalist. Yeah, I think she. I think she's bona fides journalist. You know how you can tell she's a journalist because her work has appeared in the New Yorker. I know my the God. New York Times, Outside, Slate, Food and Wine, The Rumpus Salon, Travel and Leisure, and something called Peach, and Sunset. I'm guessing all over Sunset because she was an editor at Sunset right. for quite a while. Uh, she also now is writing for Eater SF. Yeah, and she's she's killing it. She's. Beloved, because you always want to know what Rachel thinks, because she's honest. Yeah, she's the she's their primary restaurant critic. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a sign of the times. When she was hired by Eater, there was a story about it. Yeah. Someone sent out a story. Guess what Eater's doing? They're hiring a restaurant critic, none other than Rachel Levin. Isn't it, wouldn't it be so thrilling to have New Yorker after your name? I would love that. That's life goal right there. You know, sometimes people assume that that would come after my name, even though I've spent no time living in New York. Oh, I, I mean, I've lived in New York. I mean, the, have New York. Oh, that the kind of New Yorker, yeah. Under my, like, Once again, for my things. people, that's sort of just understood. It's, it's just implied. That you live there? Yeah, that yeah. Or you're from there. You so, have some sort of roots there. And that's why you're so, so that's loud. So that's okay, but it's not implied that you're going to get published in the New Yorker. Oh, and, there's no, a, and therein no, lies no, a tale, no. by the way, which we should have Rachel tell. Talking about how she got in the New Yorker. Yeah. Uh, she writes about a lot of different things. You go on her website, which is a riot of colors and shapes. And oh, my gosh. And her Instagram account for the book is really good. Ah, speaking of her book, she has a, a new book. Yep. It's called Look Big. And it's a departure from everything we just said. Explain to the fans out there what it is. Well, it's, first of all, the subtitle is, And Other Tips for Surviving Animal Encounters of All Kinds. And it is literally that. She's not being metaphoric. No, it's like, what if you see a raccoon? What mm-hmm. if you see a mountain lion? What if you see a rattlesnake? What if you see a cockroach? What yeah, if you see I just a... read the cockroach part right before I came in here. And oh, I wish that's I a mistake. 
that's a mistake. Uh, but even though I was raised somewhere with a lot of wild animals. Yeah, but, um, but no cockroaches, I'll bet. But no cockroaches. Yeah. Uh, you know, bears, moose, uh, mountain lions. Sure. You know what animals I freaking hate and raccoons? I'm terrified? I am terrified of raccoons. They're all around my house. They are Fearless, they're nasty devils. All of the all of the above, and I'm going to save my raccoon stories. Okay, me too. Until Rachel gets here, because I do have my own oh. raccoon stories. You know when I walk the dogs at night, my microphone. When I walk the dogs at night, yeah. I take my phone, phone with me right? always, mm-hmm. and I call it my iCore device mm. in case of raccoons. And my <laughs> husband knows that he is supposed to answer the phone if I call. And you're dog walking time and come running to, to save me from the raccoons. So if you're just walking and a raccoon stops in the middle of the street and looks at you, that is time to activate the iCore system. Completely. And I have it ready. And have Roy and if you come think running. that this is not real? He won't come running. He'll come biking. Well, no. I, he has to come running because I'm that close. Mm. That's how close I am to my house. But he... Uh, this used to seem like haha, kind of, but I had mm-hmm. been threatened by raccoons and been very scared. And then someone in my neighborhood was attacked, and their dogs were God, attacked. Nasty. And she had to go get rabies shots. Oh, yeah. So uh, had they the fear had is real. Access to look big, they I would know. have been more prepared. Yeah. How to deal with these raccoons when you see them? So I am curious to see how this very broad journalistic approach translated to look big, and what comes next. Yeah. But there's only one way we're going to find that out. we got to talk to Rachel. So let's go get her. Okay. We are. Welcome, Rachel. Uh, hello. I'm going to continue my thought that I had earlier. Okay. If you're okay. long-waisted, yeah. the uh, jumpsuit and overalls might be tough, right? I think they're also tough on short people. Like, I thought I couldn't pull one off. How or tall are you? Maybe I can't. Maybe let's just, let's <laughs> just, I'm wearing it we need to contextualize, connect, which is that Rachel has introduced overalls to the Into Grotto, the grotto pod. pod. And, and I'm Bridget jealous. Is over the moon. Well, because I, I wore overalls forever, L- always loved them. And then around 40, got rid of my overalls because I decided I was too old. Well, but now I'm 50 and I'm back. I'm back. And I'm, I'm just going to be the 50 year old woman. Not to complain overalls. about the matriarchy, but I think my last past pair of overalls were made by Oshkosh Bagash. Yeah. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, because despite my dreams of loading hay into a truck, it's not happening. I don't know if Oshkosh has gotten in on this overall trend. I think they should. They should. Why be would they? The okay, so when is my it a full blown trend? Oh yeah, they're back. They're back. I, I won't even admit how trendy these are. They're oh. so freaking cute. I could never wear those particular ones, but I'm going to find some. I can. Cuteness factor in the grotto pod right now. Huge. I know Huge. because Rachel's adorable. And Seventy-eight I know parts it's wrong per thousand. <laughs> yeah, it's usually right around eleven parts per that thousand. That never stops us. <laughs> True. Um, are adorable. What we're doing Aww. right now is demonstrating the breadth of knowledge that our guest has today. <laughs> Which we discussed during the intro. It's true, we did. That you write about everything a little bit, and during our extensive pre-show preparations, I raised the question. Flying into the mic. I raised the question. What kind of writer is Rachel Levin? That's a very good question. Well, Bridget said immediately. Journalist. Thank you, Bridget. You're welcome. Is that true, though? I think that's the best term for me now. Although I'm also now a restaurant critic. Yeah. That's a type of journalism, though, right? Because what a scary thing to do. Mm. (laughs) Especially the way you do it, in my opinion. I agree, but not for the same reason. What did you set out to be? Like early on. Like early on. Let me give you an example. Dashka Slater 
was in here and said she set out to be a wealthy writer. It has a goal. Has a panned out so far. <laughs> she, she said, "I'm not saying that. I'm not talking out of turn." Her words. Yeah, yeah. What did you say? I think out I to set be? off just to write because I liked talking to people, oh. and I liked writing. Although now I don't really like writing. Yeah, you know. but no, I, I think <laughs> I really understand. I like it later after it's written. That surprises me because the writing that you do seems like it's written with a sense of joy. Oh, that's so nice. It doesn't seem like work. I mean, I do enjoy, it's true, I enjoy the act of reporting and the act of going out there and chatting and then sometimes writing, sometimes the pieces I enjoy writing the most are the ones where, yeah, it's it's been a joy. The, it's, sometimes it gets, you know, it's, it's, it can be a drag. But if you're in a groove... Oh, it can be a drag, yeah. I, I don't know. I think sometimes I'm so jealous of fiction writers. Yeah, they can because they don't have to they just, just make stuff up. Yeah. See, but they're jealous of us because we don't have to make it up. I know. We right, know, we know what we're going to write about. <laughs> right, there's just a scene. I love writing scenes. I think writing scenes are fun. Yeah. Oh, was, true. But you should do that in nonfiction anyway. Right. I mean, I, it, I straddle both lines. I do both real and fake. and um, <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're different muscles. Um, Which leaves you feeling better at the end of a day. Fiction. Oh, that's that's what I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. Nonfiction's like, I mean, nonfiction's like building something, you know, when we just discussed, I don't mm-hmm. know how to do that. My people are not a building things people, but do you want to know what he means by that? I think I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> are you talking about Judith Jews? Perhaps. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Um, do you want to say about that? that? <laughs> funny you should say that. Like, I love that Bridget's like, Bridget, what are they talking I'm about? Sure I I'm just going to, I'm going to step I'm back. from Montana. <laughs> From this conversation. I, fun fact, I did meet my first Jew in not in Montana. Not a surprise. There's only, what, 200 of us? I have no idea. I think there's like one rabbi in all of Montana. Yeah, okay. I might have I looked this up. That um, but funny you should say that, Larry, because I just, I have, I guess I can say, I mean, but I have a book I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, newly contracted, with um, the Y-Sons Deli. Oh, oh yeah. Guys, yes. it's really more like a pop culture book about Jews and food. More so than about it's why sons, you know, they're using the recipes and we're we're all Jews. To let everyone know, why sons is a restaurant in San Francisco. Yeah. That's Where Jewish. you can get matzo brai. I know, I know, I know all about it. And vodka. Okay, sorry. But anyway, so in my in, in my proposal, in the <laughs> I did sort of lead with, with we Jews don't have many skills. Hmm. We can't you complaining know, is not a skill. Fix our own cars. Nope. Oh my God, Larry just said that. <laughs> yep, I just said Did that. You, you open the hood. Can, but we can it's a Rubik's eat. cube. We can eat. That is true. We can though. eat. That was the premise, and I, I'm and glad. we're pretty funny. And when it's done, I think I know the podcast you could go on. Yeah, perfect. Perhaps you could go on. Is it good for the Jews? And the answer would be yes. I know the guy who runs it. Oh my, let's discuss. In fact, he's sitting in this room with you right out. now. <laughs> um, I saw that, and I like. Okay, wait. Since we're talking Sorry, about we're topic. So, no, we're not. What is, is the to- the topic? Is you <laughs> once again? So we're on topic. The breath of of our work today. Okay, good. Wait, I want to say if since we're talking about food, let's talk about food writing. Because, All right, let's just go there. Because yeah. you're a newish food critic. Funny, mm-hmm. you don't look newish for our SF Peter. Um, and uh, how's that been going? Um, it's been going well. It's been I don't know. Nine, ten months of it so far. Yeah. I mean, the thing I found most great about the first review I read was that it was measured. There was no grade inflation. Yes. I don't want to grade on a curve. I want to treat each place in itself. A couple questions. Um, yes. First, on a, on a more 
serious level, I mean, when you got into this, and it was, and I would say a ballyhooed hire because I looked it up and there was an article about it. Um, I've always heard that San Francisco is sort of a one-horse town as far as food criticism goes. It's the one guy. And he wields a ton of power. How do you approach piercing that power? Do you even bother or do you just say, I'm going to do my thing? I think it's hard. I, think, I don't yeah. think you can yet still for some reason, even though it's not that. He, yeah, he, 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 he I mean, mm-hmm. we all know who he is, mm-hmm. Michael Bauer of the Chronicle, who's been doing it, I think, for three decades. But there is actually, there's a, he is the main guy. There, the San Francisco Magazine's critic, Josh Sens, is, I think, an amazing writer. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's kind of on the, they've, they've said that they're sort of losing the budget mm. for him. He's been doing it for 15 years. So really, it was Michael Bauer for, I think, at least 30, 35, I'm wow. not sure. As long as I've lived here. Yeah, Josh mm-hmm. Sens for 15. So, yeah, it's been mostly Bauer, but then Josh is in there and really, I don't know why Josh wasn't more sort of, his opinion didn't override Bowers, but I think... Well, I think that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. That, that yeah. no one's really been able to topple to puncture him. it. Yeah. I know. I know. So, you know, Ruth Reichel used to wear costumes, mm-hmm. disguises, I guess, mm-hmm. when she would go eat. Are you now spotted? Do people know it's you? Uh, to be semi-anonymous is uh, to make every effort as possible to be anonymous. And so I'm, you know... Not Stormin's. Yeah, but I'm here. <laughs> I've come Feed for my me. champagne. <laughs> and, and what is your your philosophy about food writing. And I'm not asking whether, we're not talking about whether you grade inflate or not. I'm talking about, I've actually always kind of hated food writing, Mm -hmm. but you're not doing the kind of precious food writing that I'm used to. Thank you. And I'm assuming that's, you sat down and thought, all right, I'm not going to do. Yeah, I think when. My companion um, and I had the oysters. They were just delicious. Briny. Briny and delicious. <laughs> they were sublime. Uh, <laughs> sublime. <laughs> Let me know if I ever use that word. Um, the uh, Amanda Clute, the editor-in-chief of Eater, um, when she approached me about doing this, I think, you know, she, kn- she knew the kind of writing I've been doing, and um, she wanted it to be a good read. I mean, she, want, she A, wanted a woman and she, uh, to do it, which she was not um, hiding that fact. She clearly did not want... A man because it is another nominated. man in San Francisco. Like yeah, <laughs> another man in San Francisco. So she, um, so she wanted a woman, and she wanted it to be a good read, and she wanted it to be, um, yeah, a nice something people want. You need to be entertained. Like you know, everyone can post a review on Yelp, and everyone has an opinion. But if she was hoping it's a good read, so I'm hoping it's a good read, and also, you know, grounded in my experience, like a restaurant critic should write about their. Experience. That's what I like about mm-hmm. your reviews the most. I actually kind of do like food writing sometimes. Um, it's almost like art criticism, like what it's all about and all this. But what I like about yours is that it seems like you're hungry. And I really <laughs> like that. It's so refreshing. It's like, does it taste good? <laughs> Do you want to eat it? I, I realize I've rarely heard that in food criticism. <laughs> Not like, you know, exquisite exclamations. Well, well over... I think in some ways, a lot of, I don't know, there's, you know, the traditional criticism has sort of been usurped by just the blurbs and the flowery yeah, blurbs yeah. of like this right. and that and you know well and if you lists. go on yelp everyone fancies themselves yeah. michael bauer mm-hmm. <laughs> right and maybe yelp i mean i don't know if yelp has punctured michael bauer's um stranglehold yeah i, I think but i think it's clearly it's it, you know it's risen to the well uh, didn't he get effects. in trouble recently i think i remember reading a long story in san francisco about his, um, well, his he was not very supported by his 
um, team at the Chronicle for his opinion on what sort of restaurants we should review and what sort of restaurants we shouldn't. Ah, got it. Um, and yep. whether, you know, he basically defended um, inclu- the inclusion in his top 100 list of uh, why he sh- it's okay to keep restaurants on the list that have, have a, you know, sexual harassment issue. Oh, 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 oh. Or on the, at the helm. Yes. So that kind of thing. But also, yeah. and so in general, his... I mean, I don't want to go on about Michael Bauer. I feel like yeah, 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 yeah we're yeah. not here we're to talk done. about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think I do think it's like yeah, have I punctured it? Definitely not. I mean, I'm not. There's no. I'm like a, ten months into this. Um, I hope people read the reviews. But I I've, hope I've people... been seeing them widely shared. I got to say mm-hmm. that not by not just by your friends, but you know where <laughs> it pops up like that. People read it. People love it. Yeah, I, I mean, great. I think part of a critic, which you guys probably do too, is like you. You could, you know, you could follow Sally in Sacramento and Yelp and hear what she has to say, but you don't know Sally, so right. you know, you you could just. If you read, you pick a critic. You, if you like some things that he or she says, right. you might like other things. And you, you trust them. Follow, you trust them. It's a trust that's, Alan Seppenwall is my favorite TV critic. I trust him. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. You trust him. That is nice. Are you an, om- trust me. Are you an omnivore? Um, yes. You are. Do I eat everything? Yeah. Yes. Wouldn't you have to be to be a, a, a critic? A I myself critic? once was called upon to be a restaurant critic. And you had what to happened? For Soma Magazine. Oh, oh yeah. Do it. I was not a vegetarian back then, but oh. I don't really like food that much. That's too Which, bad. Isn't that I mean, trip? I will say when I did my... I, just, so I don't understand tough. those people. You never <laughs> eat. I've almost no, never no, really I, eaten. So I eat a weird. ton, just not anything that's that, good. That, I have the palate of an eight-year-old. <laughs> That's a bad restaurant. Mm-hmm. I feel I sad for you. Of how I do but, too. but you have other room for other things on your mind than what your next meal is. Which I think in this town, very few people do. <laughs> That's what I love about San Francisco, yeah. and I, what I love about raising my kids here. I know, I know. But I will say, Larry, that when I first ever wrote my very first food restaurant write up for San Francisco magazine eons ago, I was a vegetarian at that time. Mm. And wow. then when they wanted me to do it a little more, and I was at the time, I was also dating this absolute carnivore with like meat at every meal and then i had the old food editor but together they kind of joined forces and they were like isn't bacon really good don't you want a cheeseburger and then eventually they broke me down so i that did tragic, i did have a vegetarian it's a very tragic sketch. story but let's let's tell good stories larry's let's, still a vegetarian. oh let's go back a little yes. bit um predating your food career how do you think predates our food career I mean, I've been not eating since I was born. Writing about food. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, we, yeah, yeah. Let's get the story. How'd you get your start? Start of what? As a journalist. As a journalist. Just like eating? I mean, it's it's not the most exciting story. It's I Good. majored in philosophy in college. I did not see that coming. <laughs> um, sure. Okay. Sure. And you don't just, seem like the type who would major in philosophy. I mean, I actually she's wa- cheerful. I was yes. like, midway through, I was like, I think I want to be a philosopher. I think yes. I want to get a PhD in philosophy. And then I realized, you know, <laughs> my mouth is hanging. Open. Okay. But-, right, but that was a fleeting, that was fleeting, but I did love it. I wrote a lot of papers. All I did in philosophy, I think was right. That's great. Like all throughout college. But pretty much papers. everyone who comes through here, the story is with variations. It's similar though, that they, it was a childhood of reading and writing. Mm-hmm. Did yes. you have a, that sort of thing? Yes. Yes. And they all have the same story that there was one moment where they got recognized for having skill. So true. Yeah, this is so cliche. Yes, I had like Dr. O'Brien, saw, uh, junior year of high school. I wrote a paper that somehow I, for some reason, I formatted it, you know, in those old computery ways you could barely format, but kind of format. I split it into two columns Ooh. because Ooh, I like thought that looked like, it looked like a magazine article. Oh, oh. <laughs> like I'm talking about literally two columns. Yes. And then he wrote, and it was, I think we're supposed to mimic a mag. I don't know. The, I don't remember what the assignment was, but basically he wrote on the top. 
keep writing like this and you will be writing for <gasps> the Time New Yorker. <laughs> the yeah. New Yorker. Can we talk about that soon? Where, uh, oh, we will. I, yeah. Where did you where did you grow up? Uh, outside of Boston. Okay. Um, were you a magazine junkie? Um, I liked magazines. I mean, I did read The New Yorker in my grandparents' house. I mean, I read the comics so growing up. That's how I started, yeah. too. So much pressure to read yeah. that thing every week. Yeah. And so I read the comics. It was it mm-hmm. was stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you know, living in a Boston magazine was like the magazine. You know, the, my parents were the reading regional. the crosswords. I mean, the regional magazines. I wasn't – I mean, in college, I think this is actually a problem with liberal arts colleges in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. I think – you weren't really – there weren't magazines around. I know. I remember <laughs> that in college too. Because they were a lesser form? Yeah. I don't know. They just – I Read mean literally books, people's mailboxes had the J. Crew catalog. Like everyone was walking around with the J. Crew catalog. That's not a magazine. <laughs> like it's not – I know. Can you call my saying. wife up and tell yeah. her that? <laughs> and I think the newspaper – I'm was. i thinking there should be a liberal arts college class and just reading the, the times – reading the newspaper oh and then talking about it. Wouldn't you, that be a great college class? Yes. And it's a lost art for sure. Just the reading it part. It would be, and it's not that f- so far-fetched. I mean, I remember a class in grad school where the teacher came and said, all right, we're going to read books and talk about them. And that was it. Just replace books with yeah. magazines and newspapers. Yeah. yeah. So what prevented you from becoming Hegel? Mm. <laughs> well said. My mind. was <laughs> limited. Also, um, your joy. I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, I think I heard that it's no fun, you know, going to school your whole life. And I think I'd been so into school, I was like, I'm out of this right now. Yeah. And I decided to go wait tables. Oh, on, that does sound um, fun. You know, instead for after college. So I decided to be a server first. And then I decided to move to California because I'd never been here. Oh, and that I'd was your reason? Yes. I love it. I thought. So simple. I thought I'd never been there in, the, you know, California. And so I just, I was like, if I don't like it, I'll leave. And I'm still here. How long ago was oh, that? I love it. Oh, 20 years ago. Armed with your waitressing Same. skills. Armed with Serving skills. I thought it was sunny California. Oh, yeah. Warm. A lot of people make that mistake. Armed with my waitressing skills, which were limited also. <laughs> I wasn't that good at it. I can relate. So, yeah, I mean, I just like was, so I worked in a cafe out here and then I um, had made all this money in Martha's Vineyard, mm. um, not paying rent, living crashing at friends' houses. So, so I took all that money from waiting tables, moved out here, worked at a cafe, interned at San Francisco Magazine. So, you know, did the classic internship thing. So, yeah, at that point, I, it takes sort of a linear, yeah. a linear path, including the waiting tables. Bam, done. Although I'm sort of shocked you're the first person to come in here who, who admits to have wait, having waited tables. Really? I don't, you, what? Anyone I'm, else ever said I worked I, no, at a restaurant? I, I Other than, uh, what's his name, who owned the restaurant? I very refused to ever get any skills that could make me able to work in a restaurant. I was terrified of the thought, but you know what I did that doesn't exist anymore? What? Made all my money as a typist. Mm, I never learned typist. to type. <gasps> oh, my God. I know. I wish. Before I, scanners, man, that was gold. Let me tell you something. Not only did I work in restaurants for five years, but since then, I have never thought I was more than a week from going back. You know, like, it's going to end. I gotta, I'm going to have to but go back. also, right. that's good I money. Think, I always think it would – I'm always like that would just be fun. Really? I made $1,000 in one night from one table. Once. Sweet. Yeah, and that's, that, that seems possible with waiting tables. Nothing I've done is – well, yeah, I, I did one thing. That was that's a good tough day. life, though. I think there's oh, two types no of way. people who do these. You either get a job – in the retail space, or you get right. a job in, in the waiter the, space, in the restaurant space, or this, you know. I, I think it used to be like that. I wonder if it's still like that. Like I, I remember temping twenty more years ago, and everyone was writing a play. 
But I don't think you can support yourself that way anymore. Writing a play. No, temping. Temping, temping. And writing a play. <laughs> I did a lot of temping. It was all typing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I remember when I first moved here, I also, oh, I also temped. And I remember, like, having an out-of-body experience. And I walked into some, I think it was Wells Fargo or oh, some sort of bank. And I said, I'm Rachel from Talent Tree. Ah. <laughs> You should use that line. I work that, for Talent Tree. That's a line already, I think, in like Tales of the City or something. Like, the seed was planted I remember in fertile that. soil. Yeah. The tree grew. One of my first temp jobs I ever, I ended up managing a private art collection. They needed that is a, a temp cool person. Yeah, that's well, a cool, cool. But it was also yeah. like, what are the chances? Like they said, right. I had just started. This was in Portland. And they said like, oh, we just had someone call asking if we had anyone who had any art experience. And I went there and the guy was like, oh, could you just manage the collection? I was like, sure. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's the only. Like Pete of Green Apple. He got his job as a temp. You guys had him on. Exactly. told that story. And that's another amazing um, temp success. Oh, yeah. Owner. Temp to owner. Mm -hmm. Temp to owner. Um, Did you. So you. uh, I got a little bit of your bio from your website. And you were at Sunset for a while and and a lot of freelancing. But after your internship, did you then hook up with someplace with a job job? Yeah. Then I went – well, my job job was working at a travel company, um, Backroads, which is like an adventure travel company. Mm-hmm. And I thought I wanted to go be the traveler, be the trip leader. Who doesn't? You know, right? Yeah. That sounds awful. But then That's I thought – then I got a job just... in the marketing department there. And then so I did – I was a – and I was a marketing assistant at Backroads, at a travel company. But in my mind, it was sort of the lofty goal was like, wait, this is all kind of working together if I ever want. I can then be a it travel It does, though, because you end up at Sunset, and there's, like, travel, food. And it was a great. I went back to San Francisco Magazine and was a research editor, which I think was highly valuable oh. until it was, I had to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> After doing it, you can't be a fact checker forever. Yeah. But it was a great experience. No. But so good and for then, a journalist to have had that. I think it's so great. I think, you can t- I think um, having been an editor... Yeah. You know, you can tell who who appreciates the facts and who doesn't. Yeah. I think right. it's a great foundation. So yeah. I never went to journalism school or anything like that, but I think being a research editor was a great oh, um, foundation on that front. So I care about accuracy in these times. It's important. Were you freelancing while you were working at the travel place? No, I was like, no, there was no, there was, I was working in Excel spreadsheets, not Ooh. knowing how to do that. Did you ever fancy the thought that maybe I'll be in marketing? No, I quickly learned I wasn't cut out for marketing. Somehow I that somehow I gleaned that by being there. I think isn't it funny? That's why. one of those jobs <laughs> that they tell you you can do if you're a writer. I don't even know what it is. And it turns out it has very little to do with writing. But they're oh, you can go in marketing, yeah. marketing writing. I remember yeah. once working at a dot com. I was going to make Which my one? riches. It was called Cross Commerce, mm-hmm. and we were going to make mm-hmm. it because we didn't have big parties, but we did have uh, what do you call those really thick juices? Adwala. Yeah, we had Adwalas. <laughs> Any Adwala you could possibly want. <laughs> but when juices. it came time... That could be their tagline. That's a marketing tagline. We've got Adwala. <laughs> Thick juices. When we started uh, imploding and they started slicing people off, there was me and this other guy and I got lopped because all I knew how to do was create content. And he was a real marketing guy. Like he knew how to mm. do all these polls and stuff and strategy and those kind of words. So, yeah. Uh, but everyone needs content. That's what I'm always hearing. Writers who want to be in marketing. What is content? My only, my only writing you. at the marketing job, which was like the, the bright spot of my day, was the facts cover sheet. I got to write the blurbs on the facts cover sheet. But my manager would like red mark them up and say these. Facts. For those of you listening at home who are under 40, facts <laughs> is F-A-X, <laughs> not facts. Facts. 
It's a primitive use, it's a primitive type of communication. <laughs> yeah. So used I did. In I wasn't 90s. good at the facts. Facts cover sheet. Okay, well, you must have had a come to Jesus moment then, where you were like, "I need to be a freelancer. I need a rewriter of some kind." And someone said, "Freelance writing is the way place you want to be." <laughs> That's where the money yeah. is, my friends. Yeah, no, so then I went, yeah, then it, whatever. Then I went to Sandwich Magazine, editorial assistant, research editor. Then I was like, I need to get out of research editing because you know, yeah. And then I was like, I'm going to be a freelancer. I'm going to go join the freelance world. And it seems like one thing that's that's been your trademark as a freelancer is you'll write about anything. I mean, you really there. It doesn't seem like there's anything I'm that you would say. I'm not interested in that. I can't do it. <laughs> and how do you think you come about that? Is it because you weren't following a real strict pathway? I mean, I think I think I mean I think then being an editor at Sunset Magazine, I was very um, somewhat limited because it was travel and food. the West, right. the West, and so it was. That was sort of its own top, like lane. So I think when I when I left there, I was like, oh, this, there's a whole other world. I mean, mm-hmm. I think sometimes you're in the sunset mm-hmm. bubble. You don't even you're not allowed to really freelance. I wrote one freelance piece while I was there, and I was told I wasn't supposed to be. Free. Anyways, so then you're just kind of in the sunset world. So then when you break free of it, you're like, oh, there's that. There's and the sunset world is a great world. Yeah, it sure looks great, it's a boy. Fun world. But then it's nice to break out of it. And so I think one of my first stories when I broke out of it was this, like something that sunset would have never written. No, uh, I was just going to ask if you had a sunset eye after being at sunset for that long, like this eye for quirky shops and small towns and gardens <laughs> and Airstream trailers. Succulents, <laughs> coastal inns, and <laughs> weekend getaways. Barbecue. And by, yeah. But it must have sort of had some sort of a hangover effect where that's all that you're thinking about for X amount of years. Like, wow, that's gonna, that's a great oyster place over there. I should write about that. Right. So I think I wasn't, yeah, I, I do. I mean, you all, you can, I can, anyone needs a day trip? Yeah, you probably know day trips yeah. from a, everywhere. In a cozy, cute seaside destination, I can come up with an itinerary but, like that. No, my wife and I realized recently, because we used to subscribe, that it doesn't have to be a cozy, cute seaside destination. It could be any seaside destination with one or two nice shops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you get to... Like, right, oh. you just need a couple. You need a couple things, yeah. places to hang it on, mm-hmm. some good photos. And then it makes I it think, seem like didn't paradise. Chris Collin write a piece about Death Valley? <laughs> He did. That was a, that was a so story. That was that's sweet. not kids, that nice. No, it's true. They, I mean, they branched out. They, okay. That's just the front of the book. You know, okay, they do okay. some features. I like the front of yeah. the book. I went yeah. on a bear safari for a recent sunset story. Did you look bear. big? Let's talk. Oh, my God. Let's talk about your book. But wait, I can't. I, I We're need, jumping ahead. What yeah. do you need? You I need, need the New Yorker? I need to talk about the New Yorker. Just like right. one oh. second. Oh, I'm, I'm in the middle of a, not in the middle. I'm, I'm currently in a Writing. post-New Yorker letdown um, so oh, I, I would thought say, it was going to be post-New Yorker glow. I know. That's yeah. what I thought you were going to say. I mean, yeah. I think if I had New Yorker as someplace I had ever published, that my life would be totally fulfilled and I would never need anything else. You worded that. That's true? how I felt. That, I used to think that. I, I remember saying to if my I could only Katie Crouch, who used to be yeah. a member, member, um, I just want to get one piece in the New Yorker yeah. once and then I can just quit. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, no, Rach, then you do it again. And I'm like, oh. <gasps> So, so you did have, but I think okay. it took like years, right? I mean, it's, I tell can the tell you the story quickly. in a yeah. nutshell. Yeah. It's not, I mean, I don't know. You don't know the like, story, so you don't know how It's not that exciting other than that. Well, but it is sort of, I mean, for a certain type of writer, New Yorker byline is the holy grail. It, yes. And I was so, I mean, I, I had like an early letdown, then I had a high point. So basically, in a nutshell, cold pitched the New Yorker. I They say, this sounds fun. 
write it up on spec because it's just for the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not like cold pitching a feature, you know, which people have done. And like, does it, they take a cold pitch feature? No, I don't know. I mean, anyway, some people have done that like 30 times, and maybe they. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I pitched in a uh, talk of the town. I they said write it. I wrote it. They liked it, but they had a backlog. I'm like, okay, well at least they liked it. They just, yeah, I got a. Very nice piece, good story, but we have a backlog. I'm like, I'll take it. Yeah, for sure. I was going to ask handwritten, but I guess this is all email. (laughs) (laughs) This was typed. Then I wrote, and then I have like an idea year, and I just put some another idea, and they said, this is great. I wrote it. They liked it. They accepted it. They paid me for it. I remember this. Never came out. They held it for a year. Yeah. So I I had the contract. I had the money. Just never ran. They're like, we'll run it next month. We'll run it next month. Then they released it. And it never, and they were like, we're, it's, they had missed the, and the whole trend. I was going to say it didn't make any sense after a while. It was very upset. Right. So in the midst of all this, yeah. you're on this emotional roller coaster where you're telling friends, oh my God, I just got a piece in the New Yorker. Yeah, I would pitch people. I'd be like, I just sold my first piece to the New Yorker because it hadn't come out yet, but I could yeah. at least claim that. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, sure. And then they, they were really, they felt sad. I mean, they felt bad about it. They just, but meanwhile, I and watched the, the trend, the trend so, yeah. that I had sort of watched it unfold elsewhere throughout the What was year. this trend? It was... Back to Jews and food. It was about the deli, the new guard of deli. Oh, okay. So this was okay. like, um, there had been something called the Deli Summit, that these new guard of deli people. Oh, had. this is so New Yorker. It was what great. They, they liked it. It was a fun oh, piece. Crazy. They just held it. So then meanwhile, I watched all the oh, newspapers so, write about yeah. this deli trend. Yeah. Anyways, then they released it. Then I did write another piece, and they bought it and published it, and that was exciting. How long ago was that? Uh, too long ago. Like, I don't know. I don't, not that long ago. Like a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, a couple years and then, um, so yeah, and that was really exciting. It really was. It like, was really very exciting. exciting for I me. remember I opening. The, I, I had that moment, that frisson of like <laughs> wait, wait, wait. neighborliness. A what? Frisson. <laughs> what? Like that chill. Oh, that, like so that. Un- just a cave man. Like, like I open it up and there's Rachel's violin, <laughs> and I know. Wait, is that the same oh, Rachel? And like too. we were kind of working near each other, and so maybe that could happen to me too. It could, you know. It was exciting. So to see yeah. your name in the magazine, oh. in the pages, in the font mm-hmm. was really exciting. And it was so really you know, good. I was like, whether well, it and it might never happen again. Yeah. And I don't care. This is no. this was nice, and, I mean, and it wasn't. It was a great piece. They liked it. It was, so, it was about mothers who mothers um, speed dating, new moms speed dating. And together. once that happens, though, I mean, you have a relationship with at least one editor there. and But what happens next isn't, that was great. What was else great. do you have? Um, yeah, and so then not being in New York, like, and mm. I loved, when you're talking about is writing fun, I actually enj- had the, the talk of the towns I've written, whether they've been purchased, per- published, or right. purchased, published, deleted, or- axed. Yeah. Rejected, passed killed. Um, killed. Killed. Um, have been fun. I love writing them, and so I feel like That's if weird. I could just write those. But I'm we don't live in New York. Um, they it's it's really hard to get yeah. one in, in yeah. that's not New York centric. Right, New York unless you're Tad Friend. Yeah, unless you're that dude can be anywhere. Some, yeah. So anyway, so they basically, used to publish them without a byline. They did. Back Talk in the town? Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So you would have been out of luck. I, gotta buy I know. Totally. <laughs> Good thing it happened. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so I think it's hard. Like the one I just, I just, um, I, so yeah, I would only pitch them once in a while if I had an idea, like every so often. And there was another one that they signed and I wrote, um, and it was fun. And, um, but then they, they got, she had such, it's a little more like style section-y. So then like, oh. she's like, I don't, I don't, it's not quite, there, there's something that, there's not quite near. So then I published it in the style section. But then, and then this last one just now, like literally just got rejected a week ago. It was very upsetting because it was close. They really, they oh, said man. very fun, really liked it. Not New York centric enough. Oh. 
This is killing York me. Century. And that was about animals, which was about... And, and that would have been kind of nice, yeah. Because yeah. now we can Since you brought up animals. Yeah. Anyways, Finally. But it was depressing. And I'm I know. Back. I really... I get it. I feel you. Not that I've ever had well, a yeah. the New Yorker. I've never even gotten that close. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but it's a long... It's like, I, it's I like, a, it's like it. a relation. You're like... Then you can't read it for a little Although while. I wanted, no, that's know. not true. I think one of the very first short stories I ever wrote, I do believe I did submit to the New Yorker. I but love it. it. <laughs> Great. It was Keep summarily. Redundant. But it seems like it doesn't follow the regular rules of getting published in a publication because afterward you're supposed to be in. I know. Where you're, I'm your guy. Now you can you yeah, can contact they, they, me they, and say, respond. hey, you got something? They'll, they'll always respond. That's yeah. nice. They might, and they've assigned other ones, or assigned, but it's always on spec. And, you know, it's like it's always like it has to be about that Man. particular piece. It's hard. Well, that's, that's harrowing. Let's talk about animals. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. First of all. Thank you. So you carve out this nice niche for yourself as a jack-of-all-trades or a jill-of-all-trades, doing my part to smash the patriarchy. That's and not how – that doesn't help. Really? Jill-of-all-trades? I don't know. Do you think? Oh, yeah. Coin okay. it. Coin it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, thank you. Or jacqueline-of-all-trades or just have to – you have to d- dispose <laughs> like of the J altogether. Like I like A Joanne-of-all-trades? No, I like Jacqueline. I like that very much. So – but all the stuff I've read of yours, you know, trends – Essays, food, cl- funny stuff, animals. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure this book started with a proposal and started with the germ of an idea. Yes. So help, yes. help me out. Okay, What's so the germ true. of the like, idea? I was, it was not um, – well, I, I, um, Eater, where I write restaurant reviews, mm-hmm. I was talking to my editor there about – I was like, there is actually a big crossover between – animals and restaurant criticism and she it's, kind it's of and she food. actually wrote about it and i was like animals are eating our leftovers okay we are feeding them unintentionally so if there's any sort of i mean that's a stretch but also that's we sort eat of animals. the common and we eat them exactly and yeah. we eat them mm. sorry and except larry doesn't don't look at me okay. oh sorry so you eat eggs um, how do we party your murderous <laughs> but so that would be like the that's the crossover there otherwise um yeah animals i think it's more it came from in some ways, could be rooted in the tra- in the travel editing side because I would, you know, in these places, in these cozy weekend getaways, I like to take. I will go r- trail running around. I was going to ask if you are outdoorsy. Yeah. So I, oh yeah. And I'm t- Super I runner. Love to run, and so I'm gone. I've grown increasingly neurotic about running know. into mountain lions. Mountain lions, yeah. Feature or them running into you. Or them running into you. You don't really run into them. They attack they you just, from behind. Yeah, they would just stalk me <clears> and then pounce. I'll tell you what. I wasn't worried about mountain lions till I read your book. <laughs> Now I'm worried about mountain lions. See, I'm sorry, but I think it's good to just be aware. But like the odds are so slim, so slim. Well, this I book is one, not meant to be fair. One running. person killed a year. Those are pretty good odds. But <laughs> what if you're that one person? No, I know. So that's why I'm like, why I used to like when I first moved here, just trailing by myself all the time, yeah. never even think about it, never mm-hmm. even thought about it. And now, and so somehow maybe it's just you get a little more. Although someone just wrote an essay saying how when you get older. They mentioned how you get less neurotic. I was like, I think for me, I'm getting more neurotic. Once again, to refer to our people, that's not true. Yeah, I, um, I don't, I don't know what to think. I mean, I grew up around, like I, you know, like rattlesnakes in the sandbox kind of thing. So you had a rattlesnake in your sandbox. Yeah, or the fear of that. No, no, there was one. Um, oh my god. So I remember having encounters that were dangerous, but mm-hmm. managed. Somehow there's something scarier to me about being in the city. Right. Where I'm uh-huh. not expecting it. Here's why. Right. Because that was supposed to be the trade. Yes, I you agree. Get homeless guys in my backyard, 
but not raccoons. I know. I hate raccoons. No, we have raccoons. I get both. Oh, my God. That's the other part of the whole... freaking hate them. I'm that terrified of them. That was the other thing. I increasingly neurotic about mountain lions, but then all at the same time, raccoons are, like, in my trash yeah, every night. Yeah, I'm more neurotic about them. and they're, so, and they're fearless, on my fearless, and they're little yeah. hands. We had, so we had a, a nest of them living between Is my house involved? and the person next door's house. Oh. Our fence, there was, like, this spot in our fence about a foot wide. And we and, and over this period, oh, my dog is just going insane every night. And my dog is 14 inches tall <laughs> and weighs 30 pounds. But he's fierce, right? So he's, let me add him. We didn't know what it they was. They don't care, of course. He's going crazy. We're letting him out, and he's going right for this corner, not realizing they would rip him to oh, shreds. Oh, they're so dangerous. Oh, my gosh. One night we open, you know, we hear them, we hear them out there purring. They make this uh, purring noise. Uh. Mm-hmm. We open the drapes. There's one looking right back at us. I swear it flipped us off. I mean, it wasn't. We're <laughs> pounding on the window. It doesn't care. They're they fearless. Don't care. They don't care. Fearless. They do not care. They are fearless. My neighbor came out. This was just a few months ago, and she has ducks. And she came out, and a raccoon had one of the ducks' heads. She used in to have mouth. ducks. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> That's awful. It did not and phase you as a Montana. She right. is yelling at the raccoon. It will not drop the duck. She threw a table at it before it would let go of the duck. They're mean. <laughs> They're so. And also, one one morning, my husband was walking out, and there were raccoons at the bottom of the stairs with two dogs. And he said they like ambled away like asshole. Totally. And, yeah. and then they climbed up a tree. And watched him go under, and one of them fell out of the tree, <laughs> almost on top of them, and was not at all freaked out. Just like, hit the thunk, and, like, rolled over slowly, and looked at them, like, <sighs> and just, like, ambled away. Yeah, that's They're like, um, Peter, in the book, Peter, I have a couple of, yeah. ten, a few tales in the book of oh, people's encounters, like, just everyday encounters. Um, Peter Orner, um, also a former graduate, yeah. uh, had wrote a little thing about um, finding two raccoons feasting in his kitchen. Yeah. Ooh. I know. And they ambled out. That was like his ending. He's like, they just kind of walked they, out. They just they, walked out. They do not give a shit. A <laughs> couple minutes, it. I'm done. Um, so was it terrifying during, like, the gathering the stories? Are you more scared now? I mean, that's funny. Because I thought, I thought, oh, and then I ran into a moose, so that was like the thing. Moose um, are dangerous. I didn't so, know yeah, that, but, and that was But actually, we didn't really explain the gist of the book, yep. so no, why don't you tell us how it's constructed? Um, it's called Look Big and Other Tips for Surviving Animal Encounters of All Kinds. So it's it's a mix of tips and tales, 50, <laughs> of, of, 50 of our most feared or frustrating mm, animals. Right. So mountain lions and moose, but also, yes, yeah. mice, mosquitoes, cockroaches, raccoons. I think you gave... All animals. Raccoons are dangerous. They, I mean... They're not just irritating. I think you gave possums a little bit too much love. I know, because you know what? I felt like, I mean... <laughs> Thank you for calling that out. Yeah. But I have, I mean, no one had anything bad really, there was nothing really to do with possums. And then someone just texted me like, what do I do? People are now texting me. What do I do? I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, we have an opossum in our backyard. And I went back, I'm like, they're supposed to be okay. Yeah. You just know? Oh, gross. that's good. So now you're your fielding. Maybe, are these like, like on Twitter, these are, these questions? Are they on Instagram? Your um, Instagram is fantastic. It's look and, big. Thank you. It's at look big book where yeah. it's fledgling, but. But we're oh my gosh, you guys! I highly recommend. I actually look for it just to see what's up in the animal world. (laughs) Let's go back a couple steps because I still want to hear the genesis of the book. Mm. What was the pitch as it first occurred to you? Right. So the pitch came about really. It was on a whim. It was because I was thinking um, I'd run into this uh, moose when I was cross country skiing in Colorado, and I even though I'm outdoorsy, super dangerous. Yeah, had no idea that they were dangerous. <laughs> By the way. So I didn't know that, and I thought, how can I not know that? If I don't know that, other people don't know that. And then the raccoons. I don't understand mountains. how you could not know that. Actually. I don't know. I do not know, and I really think <laughs> I did not. And I'm glad in the moment 
I did not know. I think because we don't have them here. Like, right. I, I don't know. I think, and also like, like I would shit my pants. <laughs> well, I'm just so like, honestly, I'm God, so glad. I'm so glad I didn't know that when it I probably saw saved it. your life. I was like as close to it. I know. I mean, I would take a selfie. Out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for a second, I was like, oh, it looks so cute. It was it was like ginormous, huge. staring at me. We're like this. I mean, maybe a little, you're a little, a little further. further away, a mo- if a moose was in the grotto pod, we'd be in a world of hurt. Let me tell oh you, we would be. I mean, our, the one hoof, we'd be. Yeah, yeah. done. So yeah. So anyway, so then I, I was illuminated to that fact by my husband. Yes, <laughs> good. Charged me, and so it was all just swirling around in my head. And I was out with a friend, and we were talking. And I'm always, what do you do again if you see a bear? Like, what do you do again? So despite oh, my right, different things, you know, it's things, all very, yeah. it's all jumbled. Like information. Punch the shark. Yeah. Do like, do the... I look big? Do I look small? Do I right. play dead? Run do away? Do I run away? Yeah. Do I not? So I feel like it was all out there, all jumbled yeah. around. And I was like, wait a minute. I just now you can carry this book with you <laughs> yes. and with a hand as <laughs> a handy reference. So hold on. Let me just consult page 32. <laughs> but I felt like I needed to all, all that information should be in one place in a fun way. Yeah. And just accessible. And, and I wanted to also educate. I wanted to be like, I want to know. I want to call these experts and I want them to tell me and then I will know. Let's do. Now, this is your first else. your first book, right? It is. And this was the this was the idea. I know this was my first book. I know I was like I never really. It hadn't occurred to you yet. <laughs> I didn't have a book idea, but this was it was really on a whim. I just thought, oh, you know, and oh, and I had been thinking about doing a book on. I'd written a piece for the style section about communal families and mm-hmm. and agent. You know, I'd sort of tossed that would have been a, a book book. You know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. like this um, is a book book. Just, but then I thought, oh, I was sort of like going down that path a little bit. But I'm like, but then this idea came, and I wrote it up in a couple of days. The pitch, the proposal. I was like, this is fun, and it seemed like just. Sort and was of, it fun, or did it? It was fun. It was a fun great. proposal to write. I just wrote it up, sent it to Danielle Svetkov on a whim. It's so like, what do you mm-hmm. think of this? Like thinking she'd be like, whatever. And she's like, this is cute. And then the next thing I know, we sent it out. I had an idea for a book called The Shark in Art, and the response was, some things are just an article. <laughs> I thought it was an awesome idea. I mean, well, start, shark in art. The shark in art. Like or, to maybe, go or maybe just all shark art. Work. And find There's sharks. so much from pre- like prehistoric history to now. You would <laughs> see, you like it, right? I think that could be. I mean, why if anyone's not? listening and is interested in this topic. It's a little niche <laughs> maybe. No, it's not, because everyone... I like it. It's freaking obsessed with sharks. I agree. And you know what? It would be for sale in Cape Cod. Everywhere. I'll, you know. I know. Thank you. Raised. Sharknado time. Totally. I, I mean, people. And, oh, Sharknado. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tornado. My friend's kid draws sharks shark. all the time. He's really good. He's like See? five. Okay. Whole thing or just a fin? What did you say? Draw the whole thing or just a fin? The whole thing. It's really good. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe he could be in my book. <laughs> if you do the book. Um, <laughs> shout to out it. to um, um, Ollie Bland. Okay. Will, Ollie, call me. Now, the tone of the book is playful, I would say, but yes. informative. Exactly. It definitely yes. is informative. And how fully formed was that concept in your mind when you came up with the idea? Um, I really did want it to be legitimately helpful, because mm-hmm. otherwise, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think oftentimes this information is so dry, that's partly why you don't remember it, I think. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like on the nps.gov site, or it's just sort of like in some, like, told in a way that, I don't know, it was like, well, whatever. Right. Um, so I just really want to be legitimately helpful, but I also find uh, the human-animal interaction in, in all the ways, like, highly entertaining. <laughs> and, they and are. The cover's interesting and compelling. Yeah, and so I, but I didn't want to do, be just like, oh, the Montana man who got mauled by a bear, like right. the, sh- the shock stories. Or I don't Although really those have are too many. Or the Darwin, yeah. Darwin Award stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, are those about... 
Well, usually it's someone who does something incredibly stupid oh, and then starts dying. Oh, I did not. Oh, I, I got it. Right. I like that our everyday sort of mundane encounters equally. Did you have yeah. the format in mind? Because I like that there's cat. What to do? What they look like? You know what they sound like? Yeah, I think that was like my magazine editor mm-hmm. background came in handy. You're front of the book stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, sunset, magazine sunset for sure. Yeah, it was very yeah. like. Um, but I just felt like um, I wanted it to be. Well, I was thinking, is there a more fun way to organize this than alphabetically? So we tossed around. You know, should we do it by size? Pests. Yeah, but then I thought, no, people want it alphabetically. Yeah, I think know, alphabetically. Ants, I think it's the best with- way. Alligators to woodpeckers. Although, what I liked about your book launch, which was an excellent book, <laughs> Those book launch, is that she started with, she did it by size. So it went from biggest to smallest or smallest to biggest, I can't remember Oh, the um, smallest to large. Yeah, smallest, smallest to largest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had excellent cookies. Thank you. Those were um, baked by my friend Sammy Lemby. Okay. She made Urban animal cookies. They were amazing. They were Even amazing. the raccoons were They good. looked beautiful oh, oh, oh. and tasted, and I think that urban animal cookies could be a thing. Mm. I think so, too. I just remember miracle. animal crackers? Now you can yes, have urban exactly. animal cookies. Yes, exactly. I think we should, she should sell those. Okay. Did, you, did you always have the idea of having um, contributors putting little essays in the book? Um, I had to kind of fight for those because I think initially the, the publishers that were interested mm. were not were sort of like, I don't know about this, the essays, but then... Or just the tales, because they were like, that's not useful information. But I thought part oh. of, but for me, that was the fun, is to sort of show the Plus, real life that gets you readers outside of people who are strictly looking as a, for a guidebook of animals. Yeah, characters. and I feel like it's a guidebook, but it's also tales. It's also yeah. little stories and anecdotes. So I felt yeah. like, so then, um, but then 10 Speed, my publisher, um, initially wasn't into it, but then they were on board with it. And they I great. noticed a few familiar faces among your contributors. I did. I did canvas the grot a lot. Many grottoites mm-hmm. for their There's stories. There's some grotto names in there. Yeah. And how hard was it once you had Danielle on board to find a publisher? Um, I don't know. So for my first book pitch, it went really well with people. There was like interest. It was like you know there were like maybe so like great. five publishers interested. And- All right, I'm sick and tired of people coming in here and telling me how easy it <laughs> is. You know, to get you a know book why published. it's easy. Danielle Svetkov. I think so. Yeah. Oh, really? She was savvy. It was great. She's I mean, but then awesome. in the end, only like a couple, you know, ultimately yeah. come through with um, proposals. But it, but it was, it was fun. It was. She was like, "This is kind of for this kind of." She was like, "This is great yeah. interest." So it was kind of a fun first mm-hmm. foray into this. I felt like, oh, this isn't so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, it was a fun. I think it was a fun idea. It was easily grasp, graspable. And it's a great book. It's super fun, and it's there's it's readerly. Yeah. It's not just. And now that Consulting. it's and now that it's out, how has it changed the trajectory of your career? Um, I don't know if it's altered the trajectory, but it's. I'm feeling very split right now a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> that a little is altering sad. the trajectory. Or, yeah, so I'm feeling like I'm in animal, animal planet, and then I'm in you know food planet, restaurant planet. So I think, um, but it's it's fun to have the mix. I think it's a. Um, but like eating food, how not to be food. <laughs> but are you getting? Is it? Is it? Um, is it impactful enough that you're getting to the point where it is what you just described? It's either animals or food. There's no time for all the other stuff. I don't know. I'm feeling like I'm, I'm, I should just focus on this right now. I think, I mean, I didn't realize either the book promotion, Ugh. I could be spending all day doing it. That, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. <laughs> so, and I'm, and I'm That's not. Crazy. I hear and you can so, do it with podcasts too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I bet, right? I know, we should I try that. Yeah, <laughs> right. It might be a good idea. You guys are doing great. It's like you're on the- That's interesting you bring yeah. up that word because one of the things I wrote in my notes that I forgot I had written was asking you what you feel your niche is. And do you want a niche? And is this it? Have you found your double niche? My double niche. Food I think it's my double animals. niche for now. I mean, I think it's, it's very um, of me, I think, in that I, you know, I'm, I'm an eater, but I am also a runner and a, I love the outdoors and the travel and the 
I hate the raccoons. You know, I think it's very. I think it's. I think it's very. Um, did you meet anyone who likes raccoons? Other raccoons. No, but I did go to the new Randall Museum. Uh-huh. Um, Where with is the, this going? Uh, this conical writer oh, was yeah. doing. A, we, we he took me around. We were like poked around. The, there was a live raccoon at the newly reopened Randall Museum. Oh, like that, and it was. And captured? it's not scary. It's like it was raised in oh. captivity. I think, yes. but it was a re- rescued Domesticated. one. Domesticated. And yes. it looked cute, like that close up. It's hands. It was like something I'm not afraid because it was behind the glass and it's a little home. And so I felt like I'm not saying they're cute. You don't want them. In, you don't want them in your backyard, but to look at. Yes, are raccoons cute or something? Yeah, a raccoon's said, capable of being cute. cute. But anyway, um, so is this my niche? I mean, I think it is for now. It sounds like you have an unexplored niche that would be writing for Runner's World or something <laughs> like that. Runner's World should do something on my book. They, no, but they totally should actually. Yeah. Now that you say that, them. no, no, of course I they should, should tell them about it because. <laughs> but, but there are all kinds of animal encounters. when you run. No, I know, and so I think it's. I mean, that's. I think runners. There was a runner who wrote this essay in the New York Times Magazine. Um, Cynthia Ritchie wrote this amazing essay oh, about I, running into a bear in Alaska. She's an amazing writer. And um, it was so good, and I loved. Do it. She's an ultra writer in Alaska, yes. so we, so she's running into stuff. Do you yeah. think bears are at the top of everyone's list of animals they don't want to run into? I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's what about like the, sharks? Ooh, I guess you'd swim into them, though. But, yeah. Oh, I mean, I think yeah. those are the two iconic animals I yeah. fear. I Mountain lions, though, are, after, are you, really what I do not, what I will not Yes, I, I agree on where you are, probably are. But because I grew up where there are grizzlies, mm-hmm. I am super afraid of bears. Yeah. And, for example, uh, two years ago, my bike... <gasps> Roy, let the bongo that out. That. Um, rode from Glacier National Park to Yellowstone, and the last place we camped seemed completely fine. The next day, a guy who was out was attacked by a grizzly and then live FaceTimed it. Do you remember this? I mean, it didn't seem like grizzly territory at all. Live FaceTime or li- live Facebooked that he was attacked and was warning people not How to go out there. Have time? Hold on. He got attacked again. Oh, no, that guy. <laughs> On the way back. But he was live Facebooking it? Yeah, Facebook Live saying, I got probably that's assaulted. Like I'm yeah. on, I mean, I'm your phone on away. my way. Yeah. I mean. And then he got attacked again, but he lived. But it freaking terrified me because I thought we were way far yeah, away from scariest. where anything like that could happen. So anyway. You, you watch that whole I'm Timothy af- Treadwell thing. I'm afraid of bears, for sure. I'm yes. afraid of bears. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we all are. I think, yeah. but I think increasingly people are not and that's a problem like yes well people don't really understand i've heard some crazy stories i think i mentioned in the book yeah of like people being like i want to take a selfie with a bear like someone in um i think it's india just got attacked by us um, trying to do a selfie but in tahoe Stupid people are like literally putting peanut butter. This one guy put peanut butter on a bear's that, yeah. nose so that the, some, his kid would come by and lick, and that a bear would come by and lick the kid's nose, and they could take a photo. So they're like trying to stage it with the bear for the people photo. have the idea it's that black and brown bear, right bears are not dangerous. Yeah. Only grizzlies are dangerous. That's also not. A good We're here idea. to tell you otherwise. And if you want to know more, yeah, go for Rachel's book. Look big. Uh, I, what do you got in the hopper now? Another book. Did we talk about this a little bit? A little bit. Oh, yeah. Just, um, yeah, yeah, so I will continue to eat and write about it. Good thing. And then I will continue to um, do things for Look Big. And then I have this, um, we just sold it last week, this book. I guess I'm going to kind of talk about it. It's called Eat Something. So it's back to food. It's a food. But this is food. this is the wise and something. Oh, the Jews and food, yeah. right, right. So Eat I mean, something that's a great title. <laughs> Thank I can't you. It came in a moment of brilliance. I know. Before. Well, because the next line is, "You look skinny," uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, but we're not going to do all that. We're just going to keep it. Okay. But initially, the the the, the, the stand-in title was a little too Jewy, Jewishy. 
let my people eat. Let um, my people. And then, you and know, then sometimes like <laughs> we're funny people, but sometimes we can be corny. <laughs> right. So then we decided to wait, and this eat something kind of speaks to all. I write yeah. groups. Yes, I, do I do a, think that's true. I do a column for the Jewish newspaper, the J. Uh-huh. And I'm always sometimes I'll get next to a column that's all you know. I got spilkes, those kind of <laughs> really heavily dependent on Yiddish and and latkes and. Uh, I don't. I was just in Hawaii with my sister that. who was reading a Saul Bellow novel, and she kept reading parts of it out loud to me, and yeah. they were hilarious. That's cultural appropriation. I don't like that. <laughs> so, and I thought it's so weird these two like Irish American ladies in Hawaii <laughs> reading Saul Bellow. But see, aloud. that's the thing. Like the book is for Jews who like food, but also food lovers who like Jews. Adjacent yes, Jews. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yes, well, the Jew adjacent is big on the, in the semi Semites. Yeah. Our reader. Our Semites. Yeah, that's oh, my own. I haven't heard that phrase. That's a good one. That'll go in. But you should approach. You should. You know, so it's light-hearted also. Hashtag it. Yeah. Uh, but another book, when you come off of this first book, then you're thinking, boom, time for another book? Or did it just something well, that else that just sort of came up? for a while. Okay, so, so it was pre-dated. more like it just the timing just came, uh, came out. We've sort of been tossing around this idea of it. And speaking of... This comes out a little bit of that Delhi article for The New Yorker. Oh, years yeah. Well, who's, who's the last the laugh now. That didn't run in yes. New York. Yeah, yeah. saying it's been <laughs> living. It's been getting there. Yeah. Uh, same sort of format. I mean, do you have your format for writing a book now? Um, I don't think so, but it, it'll it be similar in that it won't be a tr- like a, you know. A traditional a narrative. Read. It'll be fun, scrapbooky mm-hmm. photos, stories, anecdotes. So a little bit, like a little um, less probably formatted than this one. No, but that's an interesting point because I've heard from a lot of people and a lot of non-writers, to tell you the truth, and a lot of graphics people, that that's the wave of the future. You know, no more blocks of words, mm-hmm. hence the New Yorker, but mm. <laughs> smaller blocks of words, more I've eye-catching stuff. I don't like to I read that way myself. But oh my. Do you think there's room for all? Yeah, I think I, there has all. to be all. I think course. it's nice to, you know, but I think this, but what I love about, I think what is fun about this this kind of book is you can stick it up. Read Dive about deer yeah. and read mm-hmm. about foxes, bison, and then put it down, and maybe later pick it up and read about cockroaches. Cockroaches. Ugh. That was. I a don't want to read about cockroaches. Speaking anymore. of, I don't know what was going on down the street, but did you see that small the market right next to the grotto that we all go to regularly? Mm-hmm. I was there yesterday. Closed for health violations. I was there yesterday. Gate down. Day. You know, what? I from wow. I thought. Oh, I, I mean, there were a lot Lord. of good taste violations and. and <laughs> Decorum violations. <laughs> However, the music there was, you could almost always count it on it. It was a little on point, but the time I paid with a $20 bill and got lectured about Andrew Jackson from the guy working, <laughs> I was like, okay, pal, I got a liberal I don't control the too. currency. But yeah. the grotto, I alerted the grotto on our new Slack channel about it today, just in case. Wow. So don't, uh, if you're in the neighborhood, oh, I'm so bummed. Beware. I, I, come back better, stronger, cleaner. They were on decline. No, they're going, they're going down. It's because Blue Bottle opened next to them. I think they've pushed them too hard. Ooh. I'm going to talk to you about that off camera. Okay. We are out of time. Because we're out of time. Okay. Because we've meandered enough, and now we've come to the end of our road. <laughs> Get Rachel's book. So it's much. so good. And follow her on, uh, follow well, this on is, Instagram. This You'll is Rachel's it. job to tell us where, okay. to, oh. where okay. to follow her. And Thank you. Um, yes, Look Big has a Instagram feed called at Look Big Book that we try to make fun, and we are just starting out, so... Send us your animal encounter photos. We'll post them. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you send them to? Where does one send oh, them? I guess at Look Big Book. Okay. You, know, you Instagram it to us. Oh, got it. Instagram message it. Yeah. Um, That's and the, the verb. <laughs> <laughs> and the book is at, you know, Green Apple, which hosted me yeah, for my launch. launch. It was so fun. And at all bookstores and Amazon and everywhere you get books. And also, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, hopefully at the 
national park stores and the GTA. Oh, right? oh yeah. I think those orders apparently come in later. I don't know. What about abroad? Markets, hopefully. Do you think abroad? A German publisher bought the book, which oh, is great. Oh, good. And it's illustrated by a Swede. And it's so illustrated maybe. by a Swede. And the German title, when it comes out in Germany, I think it's hilarious. It won't be look big. It'll be. It's never... It will be something in German that translates to staring at cows is forbidden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It's an <laughs> it's a direct, thing. you know, it's, it's an easy translation. Book, apparently they're more afraid of cows uh, than bears in Germany. And you have uh, Rachel11.com. Uh, by Rachel11. By Rachel11. By Rachel11.com. And I'm like sort of on Twitter, but I should not, not as much as Okay, but retweet this episode, would you? Uh, oh, of course. Yeah, okay, yeah. Thank you. And we can find you at Eater SF. Yes. And uh, we can't find you on YouTube offering beauty tips, but there is a Rachel Levin who I'm does that. You, she has like I don't know four million followers. Yeah, yeah, that's I the first like thing that pops way up. To, like, I wanted her to um, know about my book and tell all her followers. But send it to awesome. her. I don't know if the beauty tips and the bear tips. The tips, yeah. Tips. I don't know if her people I would will send care. her a little clip and just get on. What <laughs> <laughs> say? What say you, BQ? How can we find you other than in this tiny little closet of a room that we reassemble every week? <laughs> And fortunately, are very patient about that. So patient. Um, Larry, I'm glad you asked. You could find me at BridgetQuintAuthor.com, where I'm still hawking my book, Broad Strokes. To great success. I know. (laughs) It's all hawk books like Bridget. Yeah. (laughs) Please indulge. You know, if you send me a little note, I'll sign it or whatevs. Um, You could also follow me on Twitter at BeQuintrest or on Instagram, BeQuintrest. How many N's you got there? Two N's because Quinn... The Irish version mm-hmm. has two ends. Although mm. not that Eskimo long ago, version. and in the Eskimo, the Mighty Queen also, not long ago, this is like a Paul Oster novel. I was rear-ended in San Francisco by a man named Quinn, but he was one Asian end. American and one in. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, the Quins. I know, right? Don't have a book to hawk. But you've got your column and some. I do have a column in in the J, and I do have another podcast called Listening. Is it good for the Jews? Available at isitgoodforthejews.com. Now that we've defeated our hacker. Yeah. Oh, good. That's good right. Someone us. wanted to hack. Is it good for the Jews? That's some Jewish ingenuity for you right there. We can't fix a car, but we can defeat a hacker. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at that Larry Rose. Now it's for us here at the Grotto Pod. You can find us on Twitter at the Grotto Pod. You still Follow can't us. find us on Instagram, though. Boy, we've been talking about that for a I long know. time. Somebody should set up an Instagram. Somebody. What are you going to post? Just like scenes from the, the Grotto problem. Pod. Well, that's the problem. Fun. Perhaps pictures of everyone who comes into the Grotto Pod. Uh, Maybe pictures of their books. Yeah, their books. That, would that would be a good idea. The thing about Instagram that's hard is reposting is so hard. So it's all self-generated. That's beyond me and Larry's. Uh, and also, completely. if you have some ideas for us, just email us at grottopod at gmail Don't say it. Oh, I know what you're going to say. What am I going to say? Nobody email. emails us. No, I'm going to say email us. Yeah. But okay. more than that, Larry, subscribe, download, yes. share. Tell your friends. I know. You guys, we're lonely. Well, we're not um, that lonely. We got each other. People are into you guys. Yeah, baby. Now My publisher talking. was like, hey, do you want us to pitch the Grotto Pod? And I was like, oh, I'm already scheduled. <laughs> I've got this. <laughs> but yeah, we've been, getting, we've been hearing from a lot of publishers lately. And Word on the East street Coast is, people. yeah, they want to. So, you know, if you're a publisher, if you're a writer on the East Coast or in Middle Coast or if you're anywhere, coming to town, if you're not in San Francisco, but you're coming here, just come by, call us, email us, email text us, at us the whatever. Uh, who uh, helps us put this here thing on? I'm glad you asked. Lee Kravitz, Beth Weingartner, and Lori Ann Doyle are our producers. RR is hard to say. And new team member and oh, last yes, week's guest, yes. Paul Drexler, crime oh. historian. 
I know. Paul. That was a good one. I just met him. That was a good one. I was like, "What?" Are, he's like, what do you do? I'm like, I review restaurants. He said, I'm a I, crime solver. I'm a Richard Brodigan impersonator like, wow. and yes, crime solver. Yes, okay, that was him. like when I first came to the grotto and the person before me told me they had just been embedded with troops in Iraq. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm a former high school exactly. teacher. Exactly. So anyways, whatever. You have one more thing to say and then I we do, can get I out of this to, hot I have two more things room. to say. Oh. One is that I want to thank our partners, oh, yeah. Babylon Salon, San Francisco's premier literary series. And you can find out about their series at BabylonSalon.com. But also, we're about to San Francisco to go. Library, but by the time this airs, we will have already gone. I hope that you guys come, because it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. San Francisco Public Library, we're with Vanessa Waugh. May 22nd. May 22nd. It will have already happened. Yep. <laughs> so we'll <laughs> be basking it in it. Yep. That's yeah. right. But we're going to do it again with Matthew Zapruder. July 24th. On July 24th, you can come to that one. Yeah. All right, now you got one more thing to say. Oh, yeah. Read, write, and just keep working. 